It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Raiders crowd here in L.A. trying to get loud. Keenan Allen in motion to the left. Shotgun to Herbert. Flag flies. And he's drilled from behind. Max Crosby and the ball's on the turf. Back at the 25 with a pile. Live at the Underground Lounge inside the Oya Hotel and Casino. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number two of the show. You heard right there, Max Crosby, sack number one of two on the day. Max has four on the season, and you always know you're going to get maximum effort from that guy when he's out there. That's why his name is Max, with two X's. But a fantastic player, one Max Crosby. Join us now on the phone lines as we kick off hour number two of the show is our good friend Tyler Dragon from USA Today Sports. And, Tyler, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you. And let's go inside the Raiders' locker room. And I, I saw you. You were right there next to Josh Jacobs when he was uh, giving his frustrations or sharing his frustrations with losing. And, you know, he's tired of blanking losing. His words, not mine. What was just the overall impression and kind of the feel that you got while you were in the Raiders' locker room following the game? Game last night I got a whole lot of sense of frustration all over that locker room uh, Josh Jacobs to Devonte Adams to Jerry Tillery uh, and so on and you know the, with the Raiders being one and three and losing the way that they are losing uh, a lot of their uh, star players are getting frustrated and I wrote a, a story about that today on uh, USA Today that they have to get things turned around and figure out why they are making some, you know, uh, execution errors like the nine penalties and the uh, three turnovers. A lot of that's on a, a rookie quarterback in Aiden O'Connell, but uh, it's really kind of plagued the Raiders during uh, their three-game losing streak, penalties and turnovers. And they both reared their ugly head in Los Angeles against the Chargers yesterday. No, they really did, and those nine penalties is really what I've been focusing in on, especially the ones that are unforced, Tyler. I mean, just ones that you're just making simple mistakes and, and concentration uh, decisions or bad decisions like Jerry Tillery. There's, I don't know what there is that you could do about that besides just having an undisciplined team. I mean, is there anything – you've been covering the league for a long time. Is there anything that can be done about a team being undisciplined like the Raiders are? <laughs> uh, punish guys in practice. Uh, for uh, right. execution errors and, and, and penalties, uh, docking the playing time. Uh, uh, for Jerry Tillery's case, uh, his wallet is going to be a little bit lighter this week. I could imagine the NFL is going to find him uh, for that hit on Justin Herbert. But oh, yeah. um, when, you're, when you're a head coach, you have to get through to your team and, and stop making – uh, these execution errors and penalties because it's really uh, hurting the team, especially a team like the Raiders when you're in one-score games like this. It's one, two, three mistakes can cost you a game, and that's what happened uh, yesterday because the Raiders really, uh, they outplayed the Chargers, especially in the second uh, half, outscored them 10 uh, nothing in that second half, and the defense really shut down the Chargers' offense, but it, wasn't for just a, a terrible start to begin the game. Uh, obviously, not being able to block Khalil Mack, a former Raider, too. Yeah. And just the uh, costly turnovers and penalties, that, that really cost the Raiders the game. Yeah, no, it did. And, you know, going back to Josh Jacobs in the locker room and what he had to say afterwards and – to me, Tyler, for the first time this year, he really looked like his Josh Jacobs self that we were, you know, accustomed to seeing last season. 
Um, from the leadership standpoint, him, Devontae, Max, how much more do you think that they're going to really put that emphasis on this team getting their stuff together and getting back to winning ways? Well, especially when you have a young quarterback, a lot of Josh Jacobs' um, receptions were dump-off passes when Aiden O'Connell was checking down because he was comfortable with that read. He was kind of uncomfortable throwing the ball downfield, especially at the beginning of the game. So he would dump it off to Josh Jacobs, and that play was working. The Chargers had trouble all day uh, getting those check-down passes and uh, covering Josh Jacobs. And tackling him uh, at first contact. So I, I really like the way he performed uh, yesterday, over uh, 140 yards uh, from scrimmage, I believe, and uh, plus that touchdown. So if they can kind of key in on that, and then also with that running game, the running game needs to get going. He only has 58 yards rushing. But that those short checkdowns can kind of – those are kind of like runs and they kind of open up the running game. And then once you open up the running game, you can start building on the play-action pass, and that's when Devontae Adams gets right on the outside. Taylor, Tyler Dragon is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Tyler was in uh, attendance of the game yesterday, Chargers and the Raiders. What did you think about Devontae Adams goes out with that shoulder injury, went to the locker room, I thought he was done for the day. He returns and had a couple big catches late in the game. What did you just think about Devontae returning to action? It showed remarkable heart and, and toughness. He even said after the game that his shoulder was not feeling good at all. He was kind of favoring it a little bit, but uh, I imagine that he's still going to be in the lineup uh, this coming week. Uh, but, yeah, his shoulder is definitely not 100% from the game. And you're right. When he first got injured, I thought he was definitely done for the day. But it really showed uh, the amount of toughness and leadership that he yeah. has because the the Ravens would have had no chance uh, uh, making a, a rally attempt without Devontae Adams on the field. No, they definitely needed him. And, again, I think that was a great example for the rest of the team. If Devontae can go ahead and put himself on the line like that, more guys can put themselves on the line. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, he got his first start of his NFL career. What would you think of the rookie uh, first half to second half, how he ended the game with the interception? But all in all, what would you think of the rookie's performance? Well, second half was disastrous, and he <laughs> he kind of uh, looked a little bit uncomfortable and like the game was too fast for him, especially in the first half with the turnovers and Khalil Mack uh, getting in the backfield early and often. Yeah. But the positive side is he showed uh, a growth from one half to the other. And he, it looked like he was, uh, the game was slowing down for him. He got a little bit more comfortable. He realized that the check down to Josh Jacobs was open. And then towards the end of the game, he realized that Devontae Adams was pretty good at football. <laughs> he just started <laughs> keying in on Devontae Adams. And it was working because the Chargers could not cover him whatsoever except uh, for that uh, interception uh, that Asante Samuel Jr. had. But overall, I, I would say I would give him the about a C performance uh, because it, he did have a rough first half, but he did show uh, some improvement in the second half and some promise. Yeah, I mean, he showed enough as far as I'm concerned, Tyler, to, to see some more. Now, Josh McDaniel said today that it's Jimmy G's team as long as he's healthy, but I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more Aiden O'Connell just to see, you know, what he's got and see if he could build off that second half performance that he had, you know, but 
again, I'm not the coach. I'm just the guy behind the mic. So, you know, what, what, do, what do I know, right? What do I know? But I did want to ask you about Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, second week in a row, and this is multiple times since he's been the head coach of the Chargers. He's given the opposing team an opportunity at the end of the game to win it. He did it yesterday. Chargers went for it on fourth and one. They didn't get it. The Raiders were set up in good position. Now, they didn't win the game, but they were set up. Is this just, I mean, is there a no stopping him? Is he just going to always do this? I don't care what the analytics say. It just, at some point, it feels like he's playing with fire too many times. Yeah, I don't care what the analytics say either. I thought it was a terrible decision to uh, go for it there on fourth down, especially when you have a a rookie quarterback on the other side that you've had some success with in the game. And Khalil Mack is approaching the NFL single-game sack record. So I, right. I would have probably punted in that situation. He got bailed out again uh, with the interception uh, by, by the, his uh, defense. But, oh, man, he's putting his team in a bad spot. And one of these days is going to come back to bite him. And, I mean, it already has in previous seasons, but this season it hasn't yet. But it, it seems like it is, especially when you have Justin Herbert, who uh, has a, a, now we know a fractured finger on his non-throwing hand for him to do a quarterback sneak and him to change the snap like that it, it just seemed there's too many things that could go wrong in that play and uh, what went wrong is they didn't end up converted and they gave the Raiders a really good opportunity to tie that game and maybe even win that game with a two-point conversion so yeah sometimes he gets in his way uh, I, I, I wish for his sake you would play a, a little bit more safe for his defense, so he, he wanted to put it in a bad spot for his defense. The Raiders' defense, I thought, did a really good job in the second half, but the Chargers' offense, I think, kind of helped them as well. It just seemed like they weren't playing as crisp, and like I said, the defense had a lot to do with it. What did you see sitting there in attendance? What did you see kind of change from the Chargers in the first half to what they did in the second half? Well, I, I think the, the Raiders uh, were not letting them uh, throw the ball. Their, their pass defense was looking a lot better. They were uh, having those two safeties up, um, you know, uh, over the top of the field and eliminating the deep play. And then the defensive front were getting after uh, Justin Herbert. I really liked uh, Max Crosby's game yesterday. Yes, his sack numbers weren't all the way there. and They didn't really finish. But overall, they were getting a lot of pressure on Herbert. And then uh, they were really good on third down um, during the second half, too. And Chargers really couldn't get any rhythm going um, on the offensive side of the football. And that's why they uh, remained scoreless in the second half. So the Raiders just need to put a complete game together. (laughs) Like yesterday was one, one half that they played winning level football. But the first half was terrible, and it was like right. the game was going to be a blowout in the first half. But if they can build on that second-half performance, they could be looking good against the Green Bay Packers this coming week in Week 5. Yeah, and they got an extra day to prepare for Green Bay as it's Monday night football. It's a primetime action. And, and, Tyler, you know, kind of going back to the Raiders not playing a complete game, they haven't scored over 20 points yet this season, and they haven't scored a touchdown in either the second or the third quarter this season. Like, that's a recipe for a, a loss every time, and they're 1-3, and three, but you've got to find a way to score more than 20 points in a game in this day and age in the NFL. Yeah, especially when you're going up against teams in the AFC West like the Kansas City Chiefs and the L.A. Chargers. Those teams are going to score more than 20 points a game, no matter how good your defense is. And yesterday... Right. 
Chargers didn't even score in the second half and still put 24 points on the board. So you got to figure out how to uh, put points on the board. But if they eliminate some of those mistakes, penalties and turnovers, they could be in good position to turn their season around. Well, it's a long season. It's only a quarter away in the books. I mean, there's plenty of game left to go. Nothing's you know solved in September or the first week in October, but uh, they got to snap this three-game losing streak that they're on. And up next is the Green Bay Packers, Monday Night Football, primetime action. Tyler, fantastic stuff as always, my man. You mentioned writing about uh, you know the Raiders and what they had going on and their frustrations. Uh, what do you got that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, uh, I'll be on the lookout for uh, this week. I'll have a, a story on uh, the Chargers coming up in their bye week as they're uh, approaching 2-2 two and two now, so they kind of revitalize their season. And, of course, the San Francisco 49ers with their big game against the yeah. Dallas Cowboys this weekend, easily the game of the week. Yeah, no, I look forward to that one for sure. Tyler, thanks so much for your time. It's always great catching up with you, my man. Of course. Have a good day. All right, YouTube brother, there he goes. Tyler Dragon, USA Today Sports, on Twitter, at the Tyler Dragon, with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness was at SoFi Stadium, was in the locker room of both the Chargers and the Raiders yesterday, so wanted to make sure we got him on and got his thoughts as well as Ed Graney, who we had on before him. Coming up at 3.30, we have Ari Mayroff from 33rdteam.com. We'll scattershoot all things NFL, but let's go back inside the Raiders locker room real quick. I mentioned Tyler was standing right next to Josh Jacobs when he was speaking to the media, and Vinny Bonsignor was there as well, and so he was able to send over a couple minutes of what Josh had to say, and he starts off in the locker room talking about rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell. Going through the ups and downs that he went through today, uh, I still got faith in him. Um, you know, just a learning experience. You know, being a rookie, you know, coming in and this game at the highest level. Um, you know, against against some good guys, man. It's just a learning experience. How tough was it out there? Then? I mean, you battled through adversity this whole week. You don't have your starting back out there. Then Devontae goes down to an injury for a little while. How tough was it out there just to battle through adversity? Uh, I mean, I mean, I felt like a lot of stuff was, you know, uh, on us. A lot of stuff we did, we did to ourselves. Um, so until we willing to, you know, uh, look in the mirror and, and and be willing to correct those things, it's gonna keep happening. We're still in the games at the end. If we just do stuff right to start to finish, I mean, who knows where the game would have been. Josh, you, you know, you guys talk about that, um, trying to eliminate some of the penalties and the... Yeah, man, still be we do to ourselves. Um, you know, it's undisciplined, un undisciplined football. And, um, you know, at this point, it's, it's too competitive. It's too competitive, to, and there's too many guys that's good out there to go in there and, you know, and not do the little things right um, every play. So, so we figure that out. And, what it is. Tyler Lewis, keep it 100. Tyler Lewis, man. And I, I mean, I, I feel like every day I go in there and I, and I work my ass off. So, eventually something got to give. Just the fact that it's close, is it like, okay, we're right there, or is it just... Nah, man, that make it worse. <laughs> that make it worse, man, because that, that just means, you know, five to six plays, you're going right. Difference in the outcome of the game. So that's, but at the same time, Tyler saying five or six plays, difference in the outcome of the game. Josh Jacobs in the Raiders locker room, and I think what he said at the end, five or six plays is a difference in the game, and he's tired of saying that five or six plays is a difference in the game, and I understand that completely, right? I'm, I'm sick of tired talking about how close the Raiders are or if they're close or what makes them close. I, I want to talk about the Raiders winning. I want to see them seal the deal at the end of the game, you know, win these games. Or, hell, I know, don't come back from behind. You know, how, how about lead the game? 
right? Make the other team try to come back. I, I would, so I understand his frustration completely, right? Except for the fact that you know I'm I'm not the one on the field playing, so I can't feel it as much as him or Devontae or Max or anyone else in that locker room. Obviously, I'm not going to feel it on that level. That's not that's them, not me. But yeah, it's 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 one of those things. Raider Nation's feeling the frustration. I get it. I think that a lot of times the anger is, is channeled in the wrong direction, but that's me. So, you know, but I, I, I can appreciate Josh, who always speaks no matter what. You know, win, lose, tie, whatever the case may be, he'll speak with the media and he'll give it to you the way that, that he feels at that very moment. And you heard him multiple times. You know, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of blanking losing. I said at the top of the show, he's that, he's that type of dude who hates losing more than he likes winning. And the reality is there's, those are, that's called alpha dog. Those are who alpha dogs are, and I can appreciate that. Got a response text from Jason in Maryland who uh, spent a lot of time talking about y'all and optimism when it came to this staff, and he said, I think it's lazy that y'all blamed the entire season on Derek Carr last year and Jimmy G was going to be the savior and he's about the same or worse. I want y'all to keep it a 1,000, and I don't feel like y'all always do that. I'll pause there. I don't think one time, not one time in the history of this show have I blamed Derek Carr for anything. If anything, and I'm not getting into a Derek Carr debate, if anything, I've been accused of supporting Derek Carr too much. I don't think not one time did I say Derek Carr was a problem. Did I say that quarterbacks could be better, quarterback play could be better? Sure. But I know damn well I've never said that Derek Carr was the problem and the reason why they lost. I didn't put Derek Carr on the bench. Josh McDaniels put Derek Carr on the bench. Dave Ziegler put Derek Carr on the bench. I did not. I was not a guy that was a Jimmy G fan. If you've listened to the show, anyone will tell you that. That was a morning tailgate thing where they were supporting Jimmy G. I wasn't. Once he became the Raiders quarterback, I'm going to support him because he's the Raiders quarterback. Yes, I will. Just like if you married into the family, I might not like you, but if you married into the family, I'm going to have your back, right? That's just what it is. I think that's the best way to put it. Do you have a a relative in your family that you're not a fan of? Once they become a family member, you kind of got to live with them, right? You might not be a big fan. Little Sarah has a boyfriend right now. I can't stand him, but it's her boyfriend. I'll keep it a buck. Okay? So you deal with it. It happens. So, no, there's not one time. If you could point out one time I blamed Derek Carr for the failures of the season, you point it out, please. I'll wait. I know that didn't happen. Also, he goes on to say, I didn't blame you all for anything. I blamed the coach. What did I do? Uh, what did I do is accuse y'all of being optimistic, the point that you don't see the real. The offensive line has been trashed since last year, but they didn't address it at all. In training camp, we we're told that they're better than advertised. Defense played better yesterday, but they haven't really improved. So forgive me if I feel like there's been a lot of lip service about how good this team is in reality. Again, that's from Jason in Maryland. And let's see, when it comes to us being optimistic in training camp, I just come back and tell you what I see, dude. At the end of the day. I get up very early in the morning just like everyone else does to go out to training camp and provide as much coverage as possible for this radio station, for the podcast, for whoever, whatever Swing and D listens, right? That's what we do. Nobody, I don't get paid to, to pump sunshine, so I'm not going to. But if it sounds good and it looks good from what I'm able to see, I'll come back and tell you that. I've also told you that I didn't know what to expect from this team many times. And I even had the stupid big window of, five to ten wins, right? If everything went great for this team, and that's a quote from me, if everything went great for this team, I think they could win ten. If things went bad, they could win five. That came from me. So, again, that's not optimistic. If five wins is optimistic, then I'm an optimistic dude. 
You know, the optimism I have is when I wake up in the morning. That's what makes me happy is waking up in the morning because it ain't guaranteed. That's all. I don't, I don't, there's nothing that I get from giving you false hope. And if you get false hope from me, then you probably shouldn't listen to me. I don't have any reason to give you false hope. The Raiders don't, don't make me or break me, okay? At the end of the day, if they lose a game, they lose a game. Q didn't lose a game. So I, it doesn't make me or break me. So if I'm the optimistic cat that you think that I'm too optimistic and it's our fault that gave you false hope, then I probably shouldn't, you probably shouldn't listen to the show. I'll just keep it a buck. So, yes, when I say it's lazy, I, th- I do think it's lazy. Nobody, not one person has ever called in or texted in or tweeted in and said, hey, man, you guys are the reason why they won that game, right? I've never, ever heard anyone say, hey, you were right about that. That was really good. That was a really good victory. Man, you were spot on about that. Not one person says that. But as soon as the team loses, it's our fault, my fault. I'll just speak for myself. I can't speak for anyone else. So I don't know what to tell you. But if it's us, if we did it, then we did it. If I'm too optimistic, then cool. I guess I am too optimistic. Let me know. Going back to the text line real quick. Uh, Rob in Oakland said, after watching the Raiders the last two preseasons, I foolishly believed the team's discipline had improved. That's Rob in Oakland. But during the actual season, the unforced errors are just as before. I don't know how a veteran defensive back lines up that far across the neutral zone without knowing he's offsides. Some regimes would have uh, made an example of Tillery and cut him like Gruden 1.0 did to David Dunn after he muffed and fumbled a punt that led to a loss. But I guess this regime is more player-friendly. I don't have the right answer. I only have my observations as Robin Oakland. Rob, I'm with you. And I remember being in the Coliseum sitting there when David Dunn muffed that fumble, uh, muffed that punt, I mean, on that fumble, and uh, he was cut the next day. I remember that. I don't know if that's realistic these days, right? I mean, because that was many moons ago. I don't know if it's realistic that guys get get released like that. But I know it crossed my mind when Jerry Tillery had that that big hit. But I, I mean, I can't I can't tell you what they're going to do moving forward. You know, it was just it was undisciplined. You know, just like just like David Long being in the neutral zone was undisciplined. All that is undisciplined, and they've got to find a way to clean that up. And I don't know what it is. I don't know how to do it. And I don't think they do. It's just it's it's got to be one of those things. Like even when Tillery hit Herbert, you saw Max throw his hands up, like immediately. Like you can't do that. Max knows you can't do that. Guys that are that are locked in, they know that. There's a reason why the ch- Chargers let ch- Tillery go after being a first round pick, because he made too many boneheaded decisions like that. That's exactly why he became available, and the Raiders picked him up because he's a hell of a player. I even thought that there's a chance that he could be a a hell of a player this year for him, right? He looked like he had a pretty good camp from what we saw. But those kind of mistakes come back to hurt you, just like the mistake from last year. You know, went back and hurt him on that Thursday night against the against the Rams. <laughs> Got a text from Big Dub Raider. Man, Q, little Sarah's boyfriend's riding around catching strays. <laughs> nah, he knows. Like what I saw from Aiden O'Connell, I think you said we need to give him more time to play. Go Raiders. Yeah, I'm. I'm that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's where I'm at, right? I mean, I want I'd like to see him get a little bit more burn. I think it slows down his progress if you if you start him and then stop him and then start him up again later on in the season. I'd like to see him get multiple starts. You know, not to just see what he could do, but see if he could build off of what he did at the second half of the game. I thought that there were some good things to to take away. You know, I'm I'm with Ed Graney and most most of Raider Nation where they thought that there should have been a run play at the end of the game, and it wasn't. He ended up throwing the ball outside and. 
Well, we all know what Asante Samuel Jr. was able to do. So, yeah, I'm with you, Big Dub Raider. And, yeah, he's uh, he might be catching strays, but whatever. <laughs> he, he, know, he knows what time it is, so he knows what's going on. Um, Trey in Kansas City says, this is hilarious, Q. You were always against Jimmy G. The best ability is availability. That's your motto, Trey in Kansas City. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. That's what I said from the jump. But, you know, the Raiders went went with him. That was the choice. And so, you know, I hope that he goes out and balls out. <laughs> I hope he doesn't miss any games. But he's already missed one. You know, but whoever's under center for the Raiders, I, I, I want them to be successful. Unlike most people that cover teams, let me take you a little bit step further behind the scenes. Unlike most people, I'm actually a fan of the team. So the only thing I really care about is winning. When I was in, in Texas, guess what? I didn't give a squat what the Cowboys did. If they lost, fine. If they won, fine. It doesn't make me any difference. I'm actually in a good position where I get to cover a team that I'm a fan of. Most people don't. That's, that's not their opportunity. And on top of that, most people don't even want to cover the team that they're a fan of because, well, it sucks. You know, because you can't. A lot of times it's hard to, to cover them and be 100% honest about the team because you're a fan of the team and you want them to do good. And so and then when we are, then all of a sudden we're overcritical. So, I mean, it's just it's, uh, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So, you know, it, it is what it is. But, yeah, I mean, hell, I, I would like to see whatever quarterbacks under center for the Raiders go out there and ball out and be successful and get that back to a winning team. So little Q, who's now 20 years old, can't tell me, so, Dad, when am I going to see this team that's really good that you've been telling me about my whole life that I haven't seen? I'm, I'm so over that. If, if for nothing else – I have to explain to Lil Q why the team that his dad told him is, is going to be a really good team or is a team he should be a fan of hasn't been worth squat since he's been alive. That's the worst part of the whole situation. Yes, I'm being selfish. Fine. 325 is the time. Ari Mayrob joins us next. Spanish Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas-area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. Pressure builds character. You know, we, we needed a game like this for us. You know, I you know, I think I think this I think a win like this does so much for the spirit of a team. Because it's, winning is not easy. Winning is hard. And it's hard in this league and it's, it's very hard in this division. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness. Live at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Jalen Hurts right there talking about winning is hard in the league, and it is. The Eagles, they're finding ways to get it done, though. 4-0 on the season. They get an overtime victory over the Washington Commanders on Sunday. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. We're in the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're here every single Monday night for Monday Night Football. Tonight, Seattle and the Giants, they'll square up in just a little while. And join us now on the phone lines from the 33rdteam.com is our good friend Ari Mayrov. And Ari, thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate you. Off top, I guess it's flexing season, right? The Lions and Bucks have been flexed to 425 Eastern on October 15th. So now we're in that mode where uh, games can be flexed, huh? It is that time of year, too. I mean, it's it's not the biggest <laughs> flex. It's just a move from 1 Eastern to 425. But you guys should be getting ready for some more of these because the NFL, as you know, Q, made some changes to the flex scheduling this year with the primetime games. Thursday night could be flexed from weeks 13 to 17. Monday night could be flexed 
from weeks 12 to 17. Of course, Sunday nights could be flexed from weeks 5 to 17. So we're going to have a lot of these coming up because I've already peeked ahead to some of the primetime games coming up, and some of them do not look so great right now. So um, I think we might have some more coming up in the near future. So don't make your plans already. <laughs> Just don't make your plans. Be aware your game could get flexed sooner rather than later. So uh, speaking of games that happen, uh, how about the Buffalo Bills and uh, getting their victory over the Dolphins? What kind of statement did they make with that big-time victory? It was it was a, a big, you know, statement win. And, you know, I've been saying this really, like, all offseason long that there was some talk, like, from some of the national talking heads, like, in the middle part of the offseason when it's dead and nothing is going on, that Sean McDermott might be on the hot seat this year and the Bills have to really jump out and have a big year. And, of course, that week one game they lose to the Jets, even though Aaron Rodgers got injured. And I was, like, reminding everyone during that portion of the offseason, like in June, July, that last year for the Bills, this team went through so much. Like, off the top of my head, they had the tragedy at the supermarket before the season. Dawson yep. Knox had one of the siblings pass away. Their co-owner, Kim Pagula, had cardiac arrest. Josh Allen had an elbow injury. Von Miller had the torn ACL. Davis White was never himself. And, of course, there was DeMar Hamlin, which was basically the cherry on top for that year. So their year last year was the last thing from being normal compared to every other team. And eventually they just gassed out, and they were emotionally drained, and they lost to the Bengals in the playoffs. And this year... So far through four games, they finally feel like a normal football team. And these last three weeks of the game against the Raiders, um, the game, of course, this week against Miami, they've been playing like the team we all thought Buffalo would be whenever everyone is back out there. And it, it looked, it was a statement win. Buffalo was going wild. That home crowd was amazing. Sean McDermott said that was the loudest. He's felt it in a regular season game ever since he got there. And they basically, you know, put Miami back into reality after scoring 70 points. So it was a bit of a reminder that, hey, ever since Tom Brady left New England, we've been the kings of the East and nothing is changing right now. I'm still not, you know, out on Miami or anything, but, of course, this is, this is Buffalo's division until, until further notice is basically the point they made. So with all that being said, Ari, what do we know? What did we learn about the NFL and certain teams in particular in the first four weeks of the season? Because I feel like now we should start to get an idea of who these teams really are. Yeah, you know, I tell myself every year after the first four, six, seven games, like we still don't really know anything. Like there, there's so many things change every week. I mean, from one week we have the Cowboys the first two weeks looking incredible. The next week they're losing to a team that's tanking. The next week they're destroying the Patriots. Like, it's really hard to figure out the NFL. It's really any given Sunday, and it's hard to really make an exact distinction. The one thing for me that feels like has been confirmed, at least for me, is that the 49ers are just for real. I mean, like, that yeah. team, at least in particular, like, we, we've been like, is Brock Purdy really the guy? Was it a fluke last year? I mean, he has been exactly what Kyle Shanahan thought. That offense is incredible. That defense is incredible. The rookie kicker they picked in the third round, the fourth round, whatever it was, has been hitting all his field goals. Like, that entire team so far has been good, and as long as they stay healthy, I feel pretty confident in them. But the rest of the league, how many teams could you go down right now and say, you know what, I am 1,000% confident they'll still be fine. Like, even the Eagles, who are undefeated right now, their wins haven't been pretty, to say the least. So, like, I still want to make sure that Philadelphia is the team we all think they are. So, the only team so far for me 
going through the season, I was like, yeah, I expect that team to be good, and they've proven it to me so far. It's probably the 49ers. I might be missing somebody, but it's really hard with this league. Any given Sunday, anything could really happen. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the 49ers are a complete team, and, uh, you know, they, they put that on display again yesterday against the Cardinals. But uh, outside of that, man, it's really hard to describe who each and every one of these teams are. It's just a lot of inconsistencies, and, you know, any team could jump up and bite somebody on any given Sunday. Again, Ari Mayrov is our guest here on the 33rd, from the 33rdteam.com on Radio Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. What did you think of uh, the Jets and the Chiefs game last night, Sunday Night Football, and the way that the Jets were able to hang around, and Zach Wilson actually looked like a really good quarterback, even though they came up with a loss. Yeah, even though they lost, like the Jets needed that game yesterday. I mean, that was a just a boost for the entire team. Just so, because really, Robert Sala, their head coach, has been saying this dating back to last year that Zach Wilson is the guy. We see it at practice, we see it in meetings, and then the game day shows up, and he's nothing like that. And after every game, he keeps on repeating the same line. And it's like, all right, dude, like, what is going on here? So for that to happen yesterday where he he really looked, like, legitimate, like a real quarterback. I know Chris Collins has been going crazy throughout the broadcast, but, like, I get why he was. We have not seen this really ever since he got to the NFL, and it felt really, really different. So that was, that was, that was an important game for the Jets just to feel like, hey, maybe we can do something here. Robert Fowler after the game. I mean, what he said is true. If Zach plays like this, we could definitely win games in the NFL. I think this game coming up this week is going to be pivotal for them against Denver. Of course, that game got a lot of hype um, during preseason and training camp with Deshaun Payton comments about Nathaniel Hackett and all that. I guess the hype isn't as much anymore. But if they're able to win that game, go to two and three at the bye week and try to regroup from there, I think it'd go a long way. Maybe the Jets could be a bit of an interesting team as long as Dak could really stack up some of these games, some of these type of games. The one thing about the game last night, and I'm sure you have an opinion on this as well, the officiating was very interesting. I mean, the holding with Donovan Smith and Jermaine Johnson, I don't know how you missed that one. Dean Blanton, yeah. you know, who works with us here at the 30-13, he does believe the holding call on Sauce Gardner was the right call. I thought it was... You know, so so I would not have called in that situation, but he does believe that was a holding call and it was the right call. But overall, it just felt like that last possession was was a bit shaky to me. And I would have loved to see Zach Wilson just get the ball back and maybe have a bit of a Cinderella story there and get a and get a comeback win over Patrick Mahomes. It would have been a bit cool, but uh, maybe next time. What can I tell you? Yeah, it was a hell of a game. It really was. I was surprised that it was as close as it was, and they had an opportunity there at the end. And, yeah, the officiating, there was some, some calls that were very suspect. But I guess we're kind of getting used to that these days. Not a whole lot of accountability for these officials in all sports, not just the NFL. What about the Bengals, and what kind of trouble are they in right now? Is it that time where Joe Burrow should sit and try to get healthy so they can have him for a much longer period of time? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. You know, like before the season, there was there was this comment made by Jamar Chase that, you know, Joe should sit out the first five weeks and just get healthy. And some people were laughing at it. What are you talking about? And it's crazy to think about, about it now, but maybe he was on maybe he was on something. You know what I mean? He just really hasn't been himself up until now. And it is a little bit surprising. Like, I know he's a big competitor, he's a big competitor and, you know, but this team – which is probably not the, the richest team in the NFL per se compared to everyone else, just gave him the richest quarterback country in the NFL. And you probably want to protect that investment, and he's going to keep it going. I mean, Zach Taylor came out today and was like, yeah, I expect him to play. I don't see why not. 
Okay, fine. They played the Cardinals this week, who um, just lost the 49ers, but has been competitive considering that roster. They really need to figure this out because, as you and me both know, the AFC is stacked and loaded. That division is stacked and loaded. And they need to start stacking up some wins here. But these last few weeks, even the game that they won in prime time against the Rams, like, that wasn't the Joe Burrow that we've seen the last couple of years, and you can tell something is off there. And the one thing also, the offensive line has been a bit shaky as well. It hasn't been necessarily anything perfect there. They made some moves this offseason. Orlando Brown is in. Jonah Williams now is on the right side. It hasn't been the most perfect offensive line either, but Joe not having his mobility is definitely going a long way. It does make you wonder also, like, how confident are they in the backup and Jake Browning? doesn't have much experience in realizing now that the record that they have, could we actually possibly go to him right now and afford another loss? Maybe we're just better off going for 75% Joe Burrow over a 100% Jake Browning in these next couple of games. So all these things are going through Zach Taylor's mind right now, but one thing is for sure, this Bengals offense is not the Bengals offense we're all accustomed to. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm really surprised to see the lack of, uh, you know, scoring and, and explosive plays that we're used to seeing the past couple of years from the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, we're speaking with Ari Mayrob from the 33rdteam.com here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Uh, wanted to ask you uh, about the, the Houston Texans and what C.J. Stroud has been able to do as a rookie quarterback. He hasn't thrown an interception yet, and looks like he's getting better and better each and every week. What have you seen from C.J.? He has been, I think, hands down the best rookie quarterback so far through these first four weeks. I mean, these Houston Texans fans have been waiting for anything positive, really, for a number of years. You had the J.J. Watt release. You had the Sean Watson situation. You had a bunch of other players go out the door. And it's been a rough few years. You've had a, a rotating door at head coach with Cully and Lovey Smith. And now you finally bring in... D'Amico Ryan's a younger guy, a ball of energy, and you get this quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who throughout the pre-draft process really took a lot of heat, a lot of unnecessary heat for the S2 scores. Remember that? Who remembers that? Yeah. And uh, yeah. here he is now <laughs> in the NFL, and he is crushing it, and he has been awesome. I was, you know, on Friday I made this post about just the offensive line he's going to have in that game. Larry Tunsil is out. The backup left tackle is out. Starting center is out. Backup center is out. Starting right tackle is out. And now you have T.J. Watt and the Steelers defense coming in, and he really just shredded them. No sacks, first of all, allowed at all by that offensive line, which was impressive as well. But Stroud looks like he's really settling in. And the Texans, by the way, I, th- I-, I don't know if this really makes a difference, but if you remember in the preseason, the, Colts, the Panthers right away announced Bryce Young as their starting quarterback. The Colts announced him like a week later. And then the Texans took it all the way till the very end and basically, quote-unquote, made him earn it to make him feel like you got to get this all the way to the end. I wonder if that makes a difference also. But um, they didn't announce he's a starting quarterback until after their preseason game against the Saints, right after that game. And then eventually he became the starter for week one and on. And he has just been the best quarterback so far. And the Texans, after all these years of being a team nobody wants to watch, I actually want to tune in and check them out on Red Zone or Sunday Ticket to see how C.J. Stroud is doing because that team, for the first time in a long time, is actually watchable. There's a bunch of really, really good young players on the offense and the defense, and the coaching staff that D'Amico Ryan's put together feels like a a, a super good one um, based off these four weeks. 
Yeah, they're playing really well. They're, they're really enjoying and playing really well for D'Amico Ryans, who obviously has their, their ear and has got them going in the right direction. And C.J. Stroud is playing some good ball, the best rookie quarterback so far, and it's not even close as far as I'm concerned. We'll close out with this, Ari. I wanted to ask you real quick about the Bears wide receiver, Chase Claypool, and you know, a second team he's already been on. It looks like he may be looking for a third team sooner rather than later. What's going on there in Chicago with Chase Claypool? <laughs> did, I, <laughs> did I lose him? <laughs> I asked him the Chase Claypool question, and it's gone. All right. All right, no worries, no worries. Uh, many thanks to Ari Mayroff from 33team.com. We are going to close out with that anyway on Chase Claypool. But, yeah, looks like that there's a situation going on there with that wide receiver. He was in Pittsburgh. They traded him to Chicago, and now all of a sudden Chicago is basically saying he's going to be away from the team. So it looks like that they're going to release him if they can't find a trade partner. Uh, but they're expecting, like, a fifth-round pick for him, and I don't think anybody's going to give that to him. He just hasn't shown anything now on two teams, so there's that. Many thanks to Ari Mayrov. Sorry that we got cut off so um, so quickly there. Glad it was not on our end this time, as it's happened on at this location before here at the Oyo where we've had a few issues. But we're, we're smooth sailing here in this nice location. We've had a few people come by, sit on down in these nice, comfortable chairs. We've got Dawn behind the bar here. She's serving up the drinks. There's plenty of great food as well. If you want to get ready for the Giants, and the Seahawks, little Monday night football action wrapping up week four in the NFL season. This is the place to do it, the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We'll come back. We'll close out hour number two of the show. We'll hear from Max Crosby at the top of the hour. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness. Live at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Got a couple quick calls that we'll get to. We also got some texts I want to get to. Plenty of feedback. We got a little bit over an hour left here of the show on this Monday when nobody's happy with the Raiders in their three-game losing streak. Totally understand it. Totally understand it. I get it. You know, there's there's too much, especially early in the season, to all of a sudden be on a three-game losing streak. You feel like it's slipping away before it really ever gets started, and that's not a feeling anyone wants to have. Again, this is Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. to start off with Passionate Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, dude? What's going on, Q? Well, I mean, we just couldn't make that one play to get that other play to get going early enough in the game, Q. I, I'm just dumbfounded and confused also, man. You know, I, I, to, to, to get it... To get it to the four-yard line, regardless, regardless, and we're going to say we all have been saying all day, but just not to run the ball, even though Aiden was handling his business as a rookie under duress all day, Q, I mean, I just would have put it in my veteran's hand. I would have put it in my captain's hand and would have let my captain guide the ship. But I, I don't know, Q, but all I know is, you know, we – what we seen from Aiden O'Connell yesterday, it was it was nothing different than what we seen from Jimmy. You can't. I don't know how you can give Jimmy two games, have six turnovers, three games, six turnovers. Aiden had two. One was a bump in the back he didn't see coming. But but to to, to say that we're just going to go straight back to Jimmy, like he gives us our best chance to win. I'm not I'm not on that ship, Q. I mean the the this season. We can't say the season's over with. But it's not heading in the no. right direction. And we obviously know Jimmy G is not at Q. So, you know, I give you props. I heard you just talk a little bit ago about, you know, covering a team and being a fan of the team. It is tough, Q, because I feel your pain. You know, we've bumped heads before, but you know my, my heart, my passion is true what I say about this team. And I, and I put a lot of emotions and feeling into it. But McDaniels is killing it, man. He, he's just killing the love and the fire because 
the stupidity we've been watching since since last year is just head scratching, and, and and I just don't know. I I mean, do we feel bad for Mark being in a bad situation, bad coach? Because he wants to do right for the team. He really does. I believe in his heart. He's trying to make the right moves, but making the right moves, Q, might be really. As bad as we didn't want it two years ago when everyone said, oh, this wasn't a rebuild, we might just have to blow it up. Go get a young offensive mind coach next year. Let him draft his quarterback, and let's go to work. Because what we're doing right now is not working, man. It's not working. It's head-scratching, and it's sad, and it's embarrassing with the players. When you got a man like Max Crosby going off, and you can't get with him, Yes, we want to get hard on quarterbacks. Yes, we want to. But, you, you don't do it stupidly, Tillery. And if I was Mark Davis right now, he'd have got his walking papers today to make a statement to that locker room that this isn't what we're doing. This isn't what we're about. We're about going out and respecting our opponent and kicking their ass the right way. All right. Thank you for the call. Appreciate you. Let's keep the party rolling real quick. Shields up. You're up. It's on your mind to follow that gig, brother. <laughs> yeah, I know. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck, brother. <laughs> I'm going to give it a try now. <laughs> but first of all, first of all, we, we I'm not in Fantasy Island. We got to stay optimistic. Um, the guy that sent you earlier, that whole text and everything else, that's not the way to go. Stay optimistic, Q. I appreciate everything you're doing here for the nation. And uh, brothers and sisters, we just got to keep our heads up and keep plowing away. But as far as um, uh, O'Connell, I, I, I like him. You know, I mean, Elway, look at all of them. Elway, uh, uh, Manning, they all started out and struggled. But he has those certain things. He mm-hmm. hung in that pocket. Okay? He has a rifle arm. He has a better arm, a stronger arm, than Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's not yep. afraid to try to stick it in there. And and I remember Favre, how many picks did he throw? But he didn't <laughs> stop. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. He's got those essentials. Now, what he lacks is mobility, brother. Yeah. He's got he's to, gotta, at some certain point, he's got to say, okay, I'm going to tuck it, I'm going to get out of here, and I'm going to try to at least get three and slide. Okay? Get something productive. Okay? And he fought, and he fought. And, and I give him credit. But I gotta, I'm got i going to reflect on this again. Again, where is the tight end and where right. is the slot receiver? When, that, when he threw that pass for first down to Devontae Adams, to first to go and everything else, that was the perfect time for a slot receiver and tight end. And it was nowhere to be found. I don't, I'm not, I don't understand it. I, some, I don't know. This camera, all 22, is it that – He's getting out scheme McDaniels, and these people are not open. Or is it that Garoppolo and and uh, uh, O'Connell ain't seeing them open, or whatever? But the whole point, the friend, the the, the best friend of a of a young quarterback is a tight end. Right. We have to get those two going because Devontae and and Jacoby Myers are getting it done. But but we need more, and that offensive line, that offensive line. Uh, Illuminor, up to that point, I guess his pass protection grade was pretty good, but he just got—I mean, he just got bulldozed. And um, oh yeah, yeah, there's we, no doubt. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we can't, we can't allow that again. No, we have two winnable games at home with teams that you know are not, 
you know, playing their best or at their best or, or lacking, you know, uh, 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 better players or whatever. And those are winnable games. We could end up 500. I had us at 2-2 two and two at this point. I had us beating Pittsburgh. All right. Thanks for the call. Definitely appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, that, that's the thing about it is, you know, there's a long season left to go. Uh, I think that I think that uh, Aiden O'Connell is is pretty good. I think you saw some things to, to grow on. Uh, I just know that now that they're going to stop him as long as Jimmy G is healthy, and then he won't be able to pick it up again until you know until his next opportunity. And that's unfortunate because I'd like to see if he has an opportunity to build off of that. But we will see. Raider Mac, we'll get to you on the other side. Uh, we'll also get to some text, and we'll also hear from Mad Max Crosby as he talked to Amber Theo Harris, James Jones, and Eric Allen following the game as well. So it's all coming up in the third hour as we're at the Oyo Hotel and Casino, the Underground Lounge with Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.